Good morning. Hey, my name is Mark Ming. I'm on the teaching team. And Jeremy and his wife, Kim, send you greetings <laughs> from stranded Dallas, Fort, uh, Texas. Yeah, they're playing. They were coming. They went off to California and did family things for the holidays. And uh, called me last night and said, hey, Mark, got a little change of plans. I was beginning to think, okay, so I won't be speaking. Something that happened. He says, no. Uh, we're stranded in Dallas. The, they canceled the flight. So anyways, he, he and Kim are doing fine. I think they've already landed in New Orleans, and who knows? They may stroll in at the end of the service. You never know. But um, anyways, good morning, and uh, Dan and, and uh, Liz, our associate pastors, are also out uh, on the holidays. So um, hey, it's just us this morning. Someone said, well, Mark, you now get to say everything you've always wanted to say. <laughs> oh, gosh. Hey, man, you know what? It's at the end of the new year. Can you believe it? I mean, gosh, where does the time go? I mean, next, it won't even be long before someone will be up here again 12 months from now saying the very same thing. It's the end of the year and we're ready for a new one. They just go so quick. You know, I think, um, I don't know, for me, it seems like the older you get, the quicker it goes. Does anybody relate to that? It's just like that. And uh, so, I mean, we're at the very end of 2019. We're on the cusp of 2020. Um, hey, do any of you have any wild stories from 2019? Uh, I, I do. I'll, I'll tell you one of mine. So, um, you know, Benny's car wash, right? Everybody goes through Benny's car wash, and <clears throat> so my car has uh, a sunroof in it. And you know the little visor you can you can shut right when you're inside, or you can you know to block off the window. So I, I guess for some reason I've always had that shut when I go through Benny's. And this was like in the spring or something, and I I went through it. You know they line you up, and all of a sudden he throws, flips the sign around, and you put it in neutral, and you kick back and the machine takes you through there so I had the visor open and I got into where all of a sudden the soap is being shot on the brushes and it's and I, I hear this noise and you know when you have the visor shut it's more sound absorbent but when it's open it's a little noisier in there and I heard this noise and I looked up and I could see through it and I don't know what happened, but I freaked out. <laughs> and I thought, oh, my windows are down. And so I went to go push the two buttons to raise the windows, and I lowered them. <laughs> and they went down, and soap is flying all in my face and all over the windshield and the dashboard and the seats. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And I went to go raise them up and I pushed them down even further and they went all the way down and soap is everywhere. And finally, I mean, it's just, by that time you don't even need to panic. You just reach over there and calmly raise them back up because it was a mess, you know. And the funny thing is, I mean, by that, you can't do anything about it. Fortunately, I got it just before the jets were going... Could you imagine if they had I'd gotten there? So um, I came out of it. You know, I'm, I'm embarrassed because I don't know what it looked like from the outside, but from the ins inside, it looked terrible. And uh, I rode it home, and of course, by the time I got home, they all disappeared, you know. But anyways, 2019, 
here we are at the end of it, and we're on the cusp of 2020, and always at this time of year, we end up with like, you know, you got the old year on one hand and the new year on the other hand about to start, right? And so, have you ever heard of the term lessons learned? Lessons learned, right? In project management, lessons learned is the documented information that reflects both the positive and negative experiences of the project. And so, if we take that and apply it to ourselves, then you look at 2019 and you go back and you kind of think about what are the experiences that I had in 2019, positive and negative, what are they? You know, it's actually healthy to do that as an exercise. It's healthy to analyze the past year, evaluate it, and take note. What was my experiences? You know, we probably rarely do that, and it's a good exercise to do that because you know what happens is we just forget things because there's so many experiences that we're having. And if we don't take time to kind of think it through, we'll miss some lessons learned. And so for 2019, I think we can just, you know, my advice is I don't like to get too deep into that because, you know, it can be discouraging about some negative experiences. It can. And, you know, Jesus is all about being positive, but it's good to go back and take note of some of that and do that. So I encourage you to do that. Um, but it's actually healthy. It's a healthy exercise to evaluate and take note of those. Um, you know, we humans, we, speaking of discouragement, we can, I don't know, we can get discouraged when we think about things that, say in 2019, that maybe weren't good at some bad experiences we had. Um, and we can begin to get discouraged when we think about that. A lot of times we want to just throw it in a trash can and forget about it. Uh, especially when it has to do with repeated issues. Like if you got something, and you know, all of us are imperfect beings, right? And especially if there's areas you struggle with, or, but they seem to repeat. And stress and discouragement and all of that can kind of even lead to some hopelessness. And what I want to do, I want to take a look at a guy in the New Testament, Christian, who walked with Jesus, but negative experiences tempted him to want to, like, go back to things he was familiar with. You know, whenever we get discouraged and hopeless, we often can get tempted to want to go back to some past life experience, some part of our past that's familiar, uh, and it's comfortable, and we know it, and we can go back to that. It doesn't have to necessarily be sinful or anything, but we want to go back because it's overwhelming for us. And that's what this person experienced. And this person is Peter. So here it is. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter 
and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Now, this is the account of how Peter and his little brother, younger brother Andrew, began to follow Jesus. I mean, obviously, Jesus made a huge impact on Peter, right? Because they literally walked off the job, dropped their nets. I mean, it was their business. They had their own boat. They had their own nets. And they just literally dropped them and followed. So from here on out, they are spending their lives with Jesus. They are hanging out. I mean, they actually began to live with him. And traveled everywhere he went. Peter was even married. I don't know what happened with that. But I mean, I'm just saying. I mean, but he did. And he, he just followed Jesus and he gave his whole heart to him. And Peter was a guy who had highs and lows in his relationship with Jesus. Ups and downs. And so uh, let's look a little bit at some of his highs. So shortly before dawn, Jesus... Uh, Dawn, Jesus went out to, the, to them, walking on the lake. You know the story. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. Guys, he walked on the water. I mean, you're talking about an awesome moment for him. I mean, we, we talk about his failure, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of what we focus on when we talk about this situation. But he really did it. I mean, he obviously took enough steps to where it says he walked on on the water and so what a high moment for him i mean all the other guys are in the boat watching him do this you know but it was peter who said lord if that's you tell me command me give me the speak with your authority for me to go do this and he he heard that and he acted on it and stepped out and walked on the water wow one of his high moments and the next one here, there it is. So Jesus, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And so here's here's Peter beginning to hear and sense the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus says, yeah, but 
Who do you say I am? Peter said, you are the one. You're the Savior. You're the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. Now, they were Jews, so they had a theology to understand the promised one, the promised Savior, the promised Messiah. And here's Peter saying, you are that one. And Jesus says, well, you're blessed because you didn't think of this. This wasn't you and your logic examining me and for the last X number of months or years and you've deducted that I must be that. No, our Father in heaven has revealed this to you, so you are blessed. So, I mean, Peter had some really strong moments in his relationship with Jesus, but he also had some lows. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, here's Peter. I don't, you know, this is relatively recent after the last experience where he has this revelation. Um, I guess his hearing ability is not quite there yet because obviously he's, he's not hearing the Father on this one whatsoever. And he's yielding back to, I guess, his logic and all of that. And, you know, he actually takes Jesus and begins to rebuke Jesus. I, I don't think I'd recommend doing that. But he does. He takes him on the side and begins to correct Jesus, you know. Uh, and the Lord doesn't have anything to do with that, right? He, he, and rightly so. Uh, so he corrects Peter and actually, you know, speaks to the spirit behind that. He discerns that spirit and speaks right to it. And so, yeah, here's Peter on one of his low moments. And then, of course, here's probably the one that we all really recognize. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard... And a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you are talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another servant girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Wow. 
I mean, you talk about the lowest moment of his faith. You know, mighty Peter walks on the water. He's the only one that stands up and says, by revelation, you are definitely the promised Messiah. There is no other. You are he, the one written about in all the scrolls. You are the one, the son of the living God himself. And now here he is. He's, he's an up and down guy. And, um, you know, finally, on the third time, it, you know, they say, well, your accent gives you away. I hate when that happens, right? Your accent gives you away, you know? I don't know what his accent was, but it gave him away. Oh, okay, you're one of those people. Yeah, you're definitely with him. And, and really, where it says that he begins to call down curses, I mean, that would be like you and I cussing. I mean, he's, he begins to cuss in our vernacular, in our day and age, and, and swear and curse and say, I don't know him. I mean, talking about, I mean, just really low time. And, and so, I mean, this is what Peter, here's who he was. Well, you know, uh, they came after Jesus. They tried him. They convicted him. And they led him off to uh, Calvary. Nailed him on a cross. And there for six hours he hung until he died. Then they took him off the cross and they buried him. And you talk about the gloomiest time of all of those apostles' lives is that. I mean, you can't, you had to be, they had to be thinking, wasn't supposed to end like this. And so, thank goodness on Sunday morning there's a few women that go out to the tomb and lo and behold, the, ho the stone that was there, because that's how they shut it, they rolled a stone into, uh, to block off the entrance to the cave, and the stone's been moved aside, and the entrance is just open. And you know what happened. ends up that they encounter Jesus himself, and they're so full of joy, they run back, they, t they tell the 11 apostles, John run starts running off, uh, Peter runs off, John's faster, he's younger, he gets there first, Peter catches up with him. Peter goes in there, grabs the cloth. I mean, it's just no body there. And after that, Jesus begins to appear to them. I mean, it just like all the gloom went to joy and, and all of that. And so, you know, over 40 days, this says that Jesus appeared repeatedly throughout 40-day period. And so there was this time. And I want to show you this where Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. <laughs> I mean, Peter's like, you know what? Last three years has been an up and down experience, man. <laughs> you know what, guys? I'm going back. I'm going fishing. And they go, you know what? We'll go with you. <laughs> and I mean, he hadn't said that in three years. Three years. He left the boat. He dropped the nets. He took off with Jesus. Three years. And all the ups and downs, and he, he, he's crucified, and he, he, he denied him three times, and now he's raised again. 
And it's like, you know what? This whole thing's so overwhelming, I'm going fishing. And they're like, good idea, we're going with you. <laughs> and so they get in the boat. And these guys know what to do. They know how to fish. I mean, they're professional fishermen. And they fish all night. Now, it's not our comfortable bat toe with six inches of padded seats and trolling motors and all of that stuff. You know, your ice chest and your sandwich and your water. None of that. And those guys got to throw that net out there and they got to reel it back in. And they throw it out and they do it. And you know what? All through the night into the early morning, they caught nothing. Nothing. I wonder if any of them thinking, you know what? I don't want to go back to fishing. And so the sun's, now you know how it is, the sun hasn't, hadn't fully risen yet, but it's light. And that's what it was like, early in the morning. And they're out there, you know, they're tired. Not only tired from being up all night, but tired from throwing that net over the, and pulling it back in. And all of a sudden, there's this voice out on the shore. He says, hey, did y'all catch anything? They're like, no. You know they said it like that, right? You know that. No. Kind of pissed off a little bit. I mean, they're tired, hungry. He says, hey, throw your net on the other side. They did it. It's amazing that they even did that, you know, all tired like that. They're like, okay, well, whatever. And they throw it over there, and all of a sudden a school of fish is coming by, and it's like, whoa. And the net is full, and they reel it in. They're having a hard time reeling it. And they, I, don't even, I mean, those boats, they, they pull it over and get it in there, and it's so heavy, the boat sinks, and I, get the, I guess the water was just an inch or two below the top of the boat. Almost so that water was, would come in. And one of them says, hey, it's Jesus. And Peter's like, what? And he jumps in the water and swims over there. And when they all get there and they pull some fish up, Jesus has got this little kind of coal of fire going. He's got some fish and some bread on it. And uh, they sit down, he feeds them breakfast. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He's talking about the fish. He's not talking about the guys. He's talking about the fish. They had just gone out fishing. Peter said, I'm going fishing. I'm going back. This is, I don't know. There's so many up and downs. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go fishing. And Jesus looks at him and says, Peter, I bet he probably pointed at him. Do you love me more than these? And you know what happens. Jesus, Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. You know, Jesus, he kind of turns things around, doesn't he? And so Peter denied him three times, and here's Jesus twisting that thing around. And, and three times Jesus says to Peter, you love me? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, I love you. Third time he's like, Lord, oh, man. You know, I mean, Jesus has a way of getting you, man. I mean, he is so wise and yet good, but he has a way of just getting right to your heart and getting past all the surface stuff right down to where you're at. 
And, and Peter's like, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And he would say, well, then feed my sheep. Take care of my sheep. And then he, Jesus, said to Peter, follow me. And they get up, the two of them, and they walk down the beach alone. I don't know what Jesus was telling him, but Peter never went back to fishing <laughs> ever again. I mean, Jesus intervened when Peter was down, when Peter had probably evaluated his past negative experiences and was crushed and overwhelmed by them, didn't know what to do with them, couldn't understand how the Lord would still love him, would even accept him. And yet here's Jesus walking down the beach with Peter, and I'm sure telling him, Peter, I got things for you. Forget that. Let's go forward. And that brings me to 2020, the other year, the year that's about to start. You know what I think? I think 2020 ought to be the year of go for it. That's right, go for it. What do you mean by that? Well, there is this thing called sin. And sin, this is how I understand it, sin is a spiritual disease. It's a spiritual cancer. And it has infected every human being. And there's nothing you and I can do about getting rid of it. It is spiritual. You can't put it under a microscope and examine it. There'll never be someone who, di who discovers the sin cell. Never. Forget it. It's not going to happen. You can have the most powerful electron microscope and you're never going to see it. But its effect is measurable and real. And it is there. Everybody's infected with it. And Jesus Christ came to save sinners. He came for that. The whole human race is that. I know that sounds like a totally politically incorrect word, but it's the truth. Jesus came to save sinners. All of us. All of us, he came for that. And so, at some point, I mean, the whole human race is now eligible to be cured of this disease that makes them think selfishly, uh, talk selfishly, do selfish things. It makes them do that. Paul himself, the apostle uh, Paul wrote in Romans, he says, it's no, now I realize it's no longer even me, but the sin in me makes me do those things. He came to that conclusion. He says, I want to do good, but the very things I want to do, I don't do. And the very things that I don't want to do, I do. He says, so I've come to an understanding. It's no longer I, but sin in me. That makes me do those things. And so the whole human race is infected. And there's only one way out. It's Jesus himself. There is no other name given under heaven. No other name 
that any human being can be delivered and healed and saved from that disease. And so at some point, a person has to cross over because you're already infected. You're already separated from him. You're born that way. Nothing you can do about it. You didn't do anything to get the disease. You were born with it. Separated, not knowing him. But when a person in the heart, because it says, if you believe in your heart, you'll be saved. So when a person crosses over this line that no one sees but God sees and believes, but not with the head, with the heart. The head will sit there and analyze and evaluate that. But with the heart, you cross over and you embrace this Jesus who Peter declared, you are that one. Something happens. The Bible calls it justification. Where God, the judge and creator, takes all the violations of selfishness, every single thought, every single word, every single deed, and completely washes and wipes it off the plate. Completely. A hundred percent. Gone. Totally. And then, not only that, he puts his spirit his own spirit into the person to dwell there in the part of you that is your spirit. And he comes and he dwells in there and this other word, sanctification, starts. Where God begins to convert that person and remove sin out of them. The conversion process. So you have justification and you have sanctification. Here's the thing. Sanctification always precedes, always follows justification. Never does sanctification circle back around and determine justification. Justification is the, where the Creator declares you innocent. He is the only judge. He is the judge. And when he declares you innocent, you are innocent. Then he begins the good work. You know what it says? He will finish that good work. He will finish that good work. The good work that he started, he will finish it. So what did Jesus say? You know what? Basically, believe in me. Hold on to me. Yeah, you're right. You've got to persevere to the end. Absolutely. Jesus taught that very clearly. You must persevere to the end. But look, the sanctifying work is a work of the Spirit in you. Yes, it is cooperative. And the call of holiness is a very real calling, but it's an eternal calling. And you and I can't sanctify ourselves. Only He can save you and only He can convert you. Therefore, Jesus came to save sinners. What good news is that? Huh?
So you know what I want to do? I want to, I want to show you a few verses. Some of my, these are my, these are go for it verses. These are go for it verses. If God is for us, who can be against us? Wow. I mean, if God himself is for us, then who can be against you? Definitely not yourself. So don't make yourself be against yourself. And we get like that, don't we? We feel pretty lousy when we sin and when we do things. We think thoughts, say things, and do stuff that, you know, we know we shouldn't. And we feel the conviction and then depending on the severity or how many times we've done it, you know, we feel all, mm, all you know, you've been there, done that, right? But if God is for you, who can be against you, right? How about this one? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. God has justified you. This is foundational. God has justified you and me. We're not saving ourselves, and we're not striving to be saved. God has put us in the palm of his hand, and you know what? Nobody can take you out of it. He is great. Now, he knows those who are his, the scripture says. He knows those who are his and those who aren't his. But if you have been justified, born again, Jesus said it, you must be born again. You have to cross over. But if you have crossed over and you are holding on to him for all you have for the rest of your life, holding on, though you may stumble over here in your sanctification, you are holding on. God, you know who's a good example of that? Even in the Old Testament, King David. Wow. That dude had some lust problems. Serious. I don't know how many wives he had. His son Solomon was even worse. But hey, God called David a man after his own heart. Wow. Really? Yeah. See, God looks at the heart. He's looking at the heart. He's able to see it. He, he tests it and judges it and he sees it. So he knows. And if so who, who can bring a charge against when you're in Christ? It is God who has justified. And then here's my favorite one. I like this one, man. You, you talk about wisdom. This is Paul. All he wrote, actually, he penned all three of those by the Holy Spirit. Paul, he's such an interesting guy. I mean, he, he wrote most of the letters, we call them epistles in the, uh, in the New Testament. And he planted, I don't know, dozens of churches. You know, I don't know how many. Saw people raised from the dead, saw people healed, demons cast out. Ah, come out, they come out. All of that stuff. I mean, this guy, man, he did the stuff. Okay? And he, he's like, this is what he says. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind 
and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Almost like the guy is saying, hey, look, decades in ministry, I know ministry. And I'm telling you, there's one thing I've learned to do. I, I forget what lies behind. And I, I reach forward. And I think he's meaning that. I think he's meaning his stumblings, his sins, his mishaps, his saying things and he shouldn't have said it. He kind of had a little temper at times. Looks like when you read the scriptures. I mean, just, just his stuff. You say, what are you saying like, you know, easy grace kind of thing? No. The, I mean, the Apostle John said, look, all have sinned. But if we go to the Father, humble ourselves and go to the Father and confess it. What? He is faithful and just. Here comes the judge who is able to throw the gavel down. There's no authority above him and he can declare, I forgive you. And you know how we think. Well, Lord, how many times do you forgive that? You know, there was a time when the apostles kind of came to Jesus and they said, Hey, Jesus, like, if this guy keeps coming to me and sinning on the same thing, like, how many times do I forgive him? Like, maybe up to seven times? And that's how we think. Come on, you know that. We think like that. Like, God's certainly got to be limited. He's got to be at some point where he kind of gives up on us, like, and Jesus said, no, it's really 70 times 7, which was a statement to say, really, it's, it's unlimited. They, they, they couldn't accept that. I mean, they, they struggled with that. Like, uh, you mean we got to do that, you know? But he was, God is like that. And so, guys, I think 2020 ought to be the year for all of us to get this. Like, once and for all, buy into it with all you got. I mean, throw everything in you into this reality that if God is for you, you have crossed over. The Spirit bears witness with us that we're His. So you know inside you if you're really His or not. Because the Spirit bears witness with you. So you know. And if you don't have that, there's a way to fix that. Jesus is your answer. You come to him and throw all your marbles into his basket. And he will save you. And you'll know it. And so, I think 2020 ought to be the best year of our Christian life. And 2021, better than that. Because you know what? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is justified, well, then what charge is there? And I think our biggest enemy often is ourselves. That we need to let go. We need to, yeah, you know what? Go do what John said. Go humble yourself. Be honest. Call it what it is. Call sin, sin. But have that conversation with him and confess it in your heart. 
earnestly, be honest. And you know what? He is faithful. He washes it away, and then what we do is we forget it. That is the key. To be able to confess it, turn your back on it as if you never did it, and go forward totally fresh again and clean. And Paul said, that is the way I've learned how to do this ministry. It's the way I've learned how to do Christianity. Is that I forget what lies behind, and I press in, I, can, I press in again anew to go after Jesus. Okay? Alright. Think we need to pray right now? Yeah. Let's just pray together. Lord, gosh, you are so good. And, you know, Father in heaven, everything is open to you. There's nothing hidden from your sight. Everything. And so all of us right now are completely bare before you. And how good it is to be secure in you to where we can be bare before you and yet know that in Christ we are accepted, we are loved, and you are for us. How good it is to recognize we are still infected and that you have overcome that and that we can take a rest even in that truth. We can find rest and peace in Jesus because you, Jesus, came to save sinners. And so, Lord, May 2020, as we stand here today on December 29th, just a few more days left in 19 and another year, we come before you, Father, boldly right now. We come boldly before your throne and we ask you that you would give us a ability to do what Paul said. To come to you when we sin. To come to you when your spirit tells us, mm -mm, no. To open our hearts to trust you and make that a way of life. That we come, Father, and we're honest. And we, we call it what it is because we have that kind of trust that you love us. And we can talk to you that openly. Without fear, without shame. And without rejection. That we can come before you that honestly. And have that kind of communication. That kind of talk with you. About anything. And receive your grace. Receive your cleansing. And then your faith. To rise up and say that is out of the way now. And I'm turning toward you and I'm going after you as if that never happened. So we say, come Holy Spirit and do that sanctification work in us. Work in us in 2020 to walk with you like this. And Father, we 
ask it in the name of Jesus, and we thank you that you hear us and you have given us what we've asked of you. In Jesus' name. We're going to have communion now. We have two stations on the front, one under each slide. We've got one in the back that's gluten-free. You know, this would be a perfect time to come and just, hey, whatever the Spirit leads on you when you're partaking, to, uh, to do that. We practice open communion here, so you're free to come and share, if, even if you don't go here. And so we're going to have some worship time, and during this worship time, you're free to come. So let's stand up, and let's just let's partake.